2: Welcome everybody, this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, I'm your host Al Melchior, and while we're still waiting for the hot stove to heat up, we've got quite a lot to talk about on the show today. I, I tell you, the damn, it's its just about to break. Hugh Darvish reportedly is on the verge of making a deal this week, we don't know with which team. But you know that's what makes it fun. Uh, we do have a few uh, more minor signings to talk about, some other potential deals in the works, and uh, also joining me for two big segments on the show today, my former colleague over at CBSSports.com, Heath Cummings. So really looking forward to having Heath on the show. He's been on I think, a couple times before, and uh, probably every single time that I'll have Heath on the show. I'll take the opportunity to talk some Royals baseball with Heath, and he also, uh, over on cbssports.com, has uh, published his uh, 2018 Busts 1.0 list. Uh, they're they're getting their uh, busts and breakouts and sleepers uh, up on the site over there, so you can check that out, but uh, he'll be here to talk about the bust list because there's some interesting names. And, uh, yeah, so lots and lots to talk about. So I'm getting right to it right now. Uh, according to John Morosi of MLB network, you Darvish is likely to sign a deal sometime this week and Hey, it's already Wednesday. So, uh, hopefully that's very, very soon. Uh, the twins have reported interest in Darvish. Uh, we talked on this show not too long ago about the brewers actually making Darvish an offer. Uh, the Rangers have, uh, been in the mix there the Cubs the Dodgers don't know if it's one of those teams or you know the ever-present mystery team maybe but uh, hopefully we'll get news on that soon and by the way speaking of getting news soon by the time you're listening to this show you'll know who's been voted in to this year's Hall of Fame class but uh, as this is taped earlier uh, I'm still waiting in suspense I don't think there's much suspense that Chipper Jones Vladimir Guerrero and and Jim Tomey will uh, make the cut but uh, there are a few other players, uh, Trevor Hoffman, Edgar Martinez, uh, Mike Messina, who are sort of on the bubble based on the great uh, vote tallying that uh, Ryan Thibodeau does on, uh, on Twitter. So uh, anyway, you know what the answer is. I don't yet. So uh, uh, I'll know soon, though. Don't worry about it. Uh, the Giants signed Austin Jackson to a two-year deal uh, worth $6 million. And he's going to play a very similar role, apparently, for the Giants that he did with the Indians last year. A role he played very well as fourth outfielder and uh, platoon option against left-handed starters, against lefties. He put up a 352, a .440, .574 slash line. So, always an intriguing option last year in terms of daily. But I'm going to talk more about what Jackson might be able to do for you this year, even in that limited role. So lots more to get to. And again, he's Cummings coming up later on the show. So stick around. I'll be right back.
0: Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app 84 fntsy That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkior. And uh, like I said, I've got a Whole bunch of news here. None of it earth shattering, but uh, all of it uh, having some impact. So let's uh, get started. uh, Continue on with that uh, Austin Jackson signing with San Francisco Giants for two years, six million dollars. Good season with the uh, Indians last year. Best season Jackson's had in a while. Even though he wasn't uh, technically a regular, or even just not technically, just didn't play every day. But he played. Uh, a lot against lefties and uh, overall a 3.18 batting average 42 slugging uh and I'll uh, repeat again it's worth repeating a uh, great year against left handers 352 batting average 440 on base 574 slugging but you know something uh, kind of interesting i uh, i think you know if you're if you liked Austin Jackson last year and I did I owned him in deeper leagues uh I used him in daily lineup leagues uh, when the matchups were good And, you know, those numbers really were were terrific. But the lefties he faced the most often last year with the Indians playing in the AL Central were Jason Vargas, Matt Boyd, uh, Derek Holland, and Adalberto Mejia. And against those left-handed starters, made 36 plate appearances. So not a huge chunk of his plate appearances, but enough to move the needle a bit. He had a 444 on-base percentage (laughs) against... Those four pitchers, um, they faced Danny Duffy a few times, but you know that was those were the pitchers really far and away that he, he faced the most often. The lefties he did most likely the lefties he'll face most often this year be Clayton Kershaw, Rich Hill, Alex Wood, Robbie Ray, Patrick Corbin. So I think there's a little bit of a difference there <laughs> in terms of the quality, uh, you know. So there, so there's that. Uh, to think about uh, also, of course, going to AT&T Park, which is a very tough park for hitters. And then again, you know, he's going to be in that most likely in that platoon situation. And so probably uh, as important, if not more important, is the other side of that story that the Giants may give Steven Duggar uh, a major role this year because they don't want to go over their salary cap. And they are very close So their free agent options are going to be very, very limited. So they just may go with Duggar, who uh, played a little bit AAA last year, but hasn't played much above the California League, high Class A. Uh, Interesting player with some moderate power, moderate stolen base potential, really good plate discipline, maybe more of an OBP or Points League option. But, uh, you know, he's somebody to to put on your radar because all of a sudden it looks like he could inherit a whole bunch of uh, of playing time. And in terms of other goings on in the uh, hot stove market, <laughs> uh, the Brewers have, uh, according to uh, Craig Mish of Sirius XM Radio, the Brewers have put together a trade for Christian Yelich. Now, I'll admit, I'm not entirely clear what that means. I assume that means that that... Deal proposal was presented to the Marlins, but it's a little vague, and uh, apparently there's nothing that's very close there between the Brewers and the Marlins. But uh, the the Marlins reportedly, this is according to MLB.com, Marlins would like Lewis Brinson back in that deal. So that alone, right there, regardless of what's on, uh, what else is in the deal, I think that would make it the best Marlins deal so far, which is. Not saying a whole lot, because the return has been pretty brutal on their deals so far this offseason. I think the the Ozuna deal is probably the best, and and even there, you would think they could have gotten maybe a little bit more. But gang-lose spreads it. That would be a nice step on the way towards a rebuild for the Marlins. So we'll see where that goes, but uh, uh, at least there's some, some movement there. Uh, On the other hand, Chris Archer is probably not going anywhere. And I talked about this on the show a couple episodes ago. uh, Looked at the Rays projected lineup and rotation. Uh, There was a story out uh, about how they still are going to make offseason moves. And one thing that came out in that story, less definitively than in in the one I'm going to present to you, is that it looked like Chris Archer probably wasn't going to get traded. Uh, given the, the state of the market. But uh, Tampa Bay Times, uh, Mark Tompkin has confirmed that uh, Archer met with the Rays' general manager, Eric Neander. And as a result of that meeting, Archer says he does not expect to get traded this season. So I don't know that that really affects his value one way or the other, but if that's the sort of thing that uh, you've been keeping an eye on. Then, uh, you know, I think you can... I wouldn't say 100%, but it seems pretty safe that Archer's not going anywhere for a while. And speaking of Danny Duffy, and I was just speaking of Danny Duffy a little bit earlier in the show. And I'm going to be speaking about Danny Duffy again later in the show when Heath Cummings is here. Uh, but a very, very encouraging news item on him that he is throwing pain-free. And he said it's been a long, long time since he throw- he's thrown without pain in his elbow. He did have arthroscopic surgery on his left elbow back in October little cleanup procedure and apparently he is fully recovered and throwing without pain that is great news it was a slightly down year for Duffy last season uh the strikeout rate uh, eight per nine a little bit down from 2016 where he had that big strikeout breakout and um, fewer swings and misses which of course correlates pretty strongly with that but it was sort of a up and down season for Duffy because one of the things that was worrisome about him, going into 2017 was that he had had such good stats in spite of the fact that he gave up a lot of hard contact and he's been a long time fly ball pitcher. But last season he brought his average fly ball distance way down and also brought his home run rate way down. So this could be a nice season for Danny Duffy. If, if uh, this holds out and he continues to pitch without pain, maybe gets those strikeouts back up and continues to keep the ball in the park. That'd be nice. And here's a an item related to pitching, but it's not about a pitcher. Uh, the Cubs have signed Chris Jimenez to a minor's deal, and I would think he'd be the front runner to back up uh, Wilson Contreras for the Cubs. Uh, although Victor Caratini, I think, will will certainly get a shot to uh, to fill that role. But uh, Jimenez, uh, you know, numbers wise, doesn't is not a standout. Uh, defensively among catchers, but uh, did get a lot of credit for the work that he did with the, the Twins uh, staff last year. And now moving over to the Cubs with uh, you know a staff that uh, is already pretty good, a uh, rotation that's very good. So uh, they'll be pitching to, to Chris Jimenez most likely uh, in some of their games this year. The Blue Jays are showing some interest in signing free agent Chris Tillman, Chris Heston, has a new home that's an old home. He's going back to the Giants this time on a minor league contract. So Heston struggling the last uh, couple of years. Last year did not go well. Started off with the Mariners. Uh, was sort of a short-lived stay there. Uh, has had a lot of injuries last couple of years after a surprisingly good uh, rookie season. That, of course, of course included uh, the no-hitter. So he'll uh, try to regain uh, his uh, prior form return to prominence with the Giants once again. John Singleton, not good news here. His third failed drug test, uh, a test for drug of abuse. The first two were for marijuana. I have not seen any reports as to whether or not this third failed drug test is also for marijuana. Uh, Regardless, uh, that comes with a 100-game suspension for John Singleton, who was a really exciting prospect a few years ago and has really uh, seen his career derailed. Um, so, of course, that's, it's been well-documented, his uh, struggles with uh, marijuana addiction. So uh, another suspension for, uh, for John Singleton. And also another suspension within the Astros system. So kind of a, a rough day of news for the Astros. Uh, Dean Dietz, uh, who's uh, served as both a starter and reliever in the minors, got an 80-game PED suspension. Uh, In much better news, Trevor May, a friend of the show, by the way, uh, guest on the show, I think about this time last year, actually, or maybe a little bit later. Uh, Anyway, Trevor May had Tommy John surgery last spring. The first time since that surgery, just earlier today, posted some video on his Instagram account, tweeted it out. Uh, So good news for Trevor May. And uh, maybe we'll see him Back again on the mound for the Twins uh, early in the season. Probably not, I would think, very unlikely for opening day. But maybe uh, the month of May for Trevor May uh, in a return. So we uh, keep our eyes on that one. And finally, in uh, Twins news, uh, Glenn Perkins has retired. So a uh, very good closer for them a few years back. Uh, became a full-time reliever in 2011. Amassed 120 career saves. And as a full-time reliever, posting an even 3.00 ERA so fine career for Glenn Perkins uh, that's now uh, come to an end and he's going to go work in the Twins front office so uh, be sad to see him go and and reportedly a really really good guy too so anyway uh, that's it for now got to head to break and when we'll come back I'll be joined by Heath Cummings and that'll be pretty cool so talk about his bust list talk about the Royals of course and a few other things so stick around we'll be right back Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and it's that time. to talking about it, first couple of segments of the show. It is time to welcome back Keith Cummings, known big fan of techno music, apparently. Keith, welcome to the show. This reminds me of a terrifying night
1: I spent in a Chicago nightclub uh, about a decade ago, and that's
2: all, all of the story I can tell. All right. Well, yeah, cuz we don't want to scare everybody. I don't want to get scared. Yeah, it was uh I'm I'm starting to to shake just a little bit thinking about it. It was bad memories, L. All right. Well, I, I'll change the topic for you because actually I said something that wasn't really accurate on the last segment that I have to clear up. I said Greg Perkins was going to work for the Twins front office and I got it wrong. He it's just the Twins are open to giving him that, uh, opportunity. So you can, you know, think nice things about the twins, Glenn Perkins. Well, I, I think you're probably not going to think nice things about the twins because you're here to talk about the Royals today. Well,
1: I, I think there is no better way to introduce a segment with me than saying something that's inaccurate because I'm sure I'm going to do that multiple times.
2: <laughs> that's great. Well, I'm, I'm so happy <laughs> to set the tone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we can, we can start, I guess, by, uh, uh you know, seeing what's, uh, what's real and fake uh, in your, uh, your bust lists, And uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show that uh, you and, and Scott White uh, over at CBSSports.com, of course, where I was uh, just a couple of years ago, as recently as that, yeah. uh, doing... You remember, um, you've got your, your uh, bust and breakout and uh, uh, sleeper lists. Uh, now, do you have all the 1.0s up or is that in progress right now? I have all of the 1.0s up. My bus breakouts and sleepers have been up for almost a
1: week. Scott is uh, diligently working on his, and I believe the plan is that Scott's will
2: all arrive next week. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting times. It is. Well, I, you know, it is one of my favorite times because I've said it several times on this show. It's, it's a time of discovery. And, uh, you know, going through all the stuff that we, we might have missed last year and, uh, you know, trying to get it right for this year. So uh, we're going to start with your bus list. And, uh, you know, it, it was like old times, Heath, because I, I saw a lot of the names on there. And I disagreed with a lot of them. <laughs> so uh, we, we... <laughs> That's the way we work. <laughs> so uh, I figured we'd focus on a few of those. And I think it was actually just on it was on just the last episode of the show on Monday. And I did a a segment uh, called, Am I Wrong to Think? And I talked about five different players where I I went through this discovery process and I saw something statistically that completely, uh, it didn't necessarily change my mind, but it might have blown my mind, something I didn't realize. And Jonathan Scope was one of those players. And I saw a lot of early hype on Jonathan Scope, uh, you know, based on on an apparent breakout season last year that I initially dismissed. And then I looked at... Uh, his distribution of batted balls and saw that he did do a better job in making solid contact last year, but you don't, uh, you don't like him this year. So why not?
1: Yeah. And like for me, it really, and, and I, I don't like this, I guess, but busts and sleepers are so dependent on the perception of everyone else. Mm-hmm. I believe it was you that two years ago really liked Jonathan scope as a sleeper. And I, He had definitely over the last two years has earned um, whoever thought that passing grades and an A even, but now we're to the point to where not just are we viewing his breakout as real, but he's being viewed as a a top five, top six second baseman by some. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I see that there were improvements in the batted ball profile last year, but I still think at the end of the day, He's more of a 270, 25-homer type guy. That's greatest attribute may be that he's played 116, 162 games the last two seasons. Maybe even a little bit like what we used to say about Adam Jones, whereas Adam Jones was just always there. And so at the end of the year, his numbers would look good or maybe even great. Scope had a great year last year. I think the run production numbers you can count on falling more close to that 2016 range where they're in the 80 and 90 range. I don't think the oil's offense is going to be exceptionally good this year. I expect the batting average to fall down to around 270, and I think he's a mid-20s homer guy. That's a fine starting second baseman if you wait late in the draft. I just don't think it's worth top five, top six second
2: base ranking. Yeah. And I can agree with you there, uh, if, you know and, and that's a, you, you pointed this out correctly that it depends so much on the perceived value, which can vary greatly from league to league, so it's all where these guys fall to but i i'm going to have a hard time not seeing Ian Kinsler unless unless perception changes dramatically over the next month or two. Uh, not seeing Ian Kinsler is a great value this year he's one of the guys I really like a lot going into this year he made your bust list so what don't you like about Ian Kinsler?
1: Well I, first off I have to know where do you fall on the um, Detroit card contact and the accuracy of that because if you just look at like Ian Kinsler's batted ball profile from last year and then you see that he had a 244 Babbitt and he only hit 22 home runs, and you're like, well, man, he just had a really unlucky year. He he ought to have a bounce back year, 37% hard contact and only a 10% home run to fly ball rate. But you can make that argument for like half of the Tigers from last year.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I am
1: and skeptical. There have, yeah, there have been several several pieces I've read talking about how it really just looks like Detroit's – I don't know. I, could, I don't think it's a gun. I, I don't know exactly what – instrument they're using to measure that but it seems like in detroit whatever instrument it is it was not working properly
2: yeah no i, I definitely uh you know i know there's um not consensus about what what that all means but i, I think right. at the very least, at the very least i'm skeptical because you're right it's such a clear so, pattern that up and down the lineup castellanos uh, cabrera avila uh you know they, they uh those home numbers are just crazy for them um so, so, so then I, if i if i take yeah. that
1: out of consideration.
2: I'm just looking at a
1: guy that's going to turn 36 years old this year. It's a middle infielder that I, I just don't know what he's going to do exceptionally well. Was there, was that like, I expect that drop off that, that started to show last year may just
2: be a sign that we're moving towards the end. Okay. But other than the BABIP, what, what was, what dropped off last year? Cause the plate discipline was very good. Um, he used more of the whole of the whole field last year um, um you know, the, skill wise it, it was it was the bad bit yeah
1: and it's the I'm extra sorry. base hits okay so it, 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 he looks more like a singles hitter with i mean he, he had 22 home runs i don't want to sell him too short over 613 plate appearances in today's environment that's not anything to write home about but he wasn't a terrible home run hitter but if a guy has 22 home runs and then just 25 doubles there's not a lot of extra base pop there and a low batting average to go with it. It's just hard to get too excited. He might. The one thing Scott White has argued for in his favor that I think is probably accurate, and, and you may say this as well, is that he may score a ton of runs again.
2: I think he's going to score a ton of runs. I think he's going to steal more bases, too, because Mike Sosha, year in and year out, is one of the more aggressive managers in managing the running game. So I, I think it's a good move uh, from Detroit to Anaheim for him. Yeah, it may
1: be. I don't know how much I would want to run in front of Mike Trout, but <laughs> maybe they will do that. I, I I would think if if you're on first base and Mike Trout's up to
2: bat, let's just, just wait and see what happens. Yeah, just just hang out. <laughs> that, that would make a lot of sense. I'm not sure if Mike Socha uh, will see it that way or not. Uh, let's uh, go to some pitchers. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, he's been a favorite of mine, certainly going back to when I was at CBS, and uh, I haven't really – Cooled off on him uh, when he got healthy last year, second half. He was was back to the form he'd shown the year before. But he's on your bust list. Uh, I, I know. Well, what is it about Hendricks specifically?
1: Well, I mean, I don't. I'm not generally a huge fan of guys that don't strike a lot of guys out. And we can just pretty much establish the fact that that's who Hendricks is going to be. He's not going to be a high strikeout guy the control has always been pretty elite and it was still good last year, but just good. And I think it has to be great for him to justify where, what other people are expecting from him. If you're talking about Kyle Hendricks as a pitcher that's helping you fill out your rotation, I think that's fine. But I I feel like he's being viewed as more of a surefire number three starter. And I just don't know without the strikeouts and without much of a guarantee of getting over one hundred and ninety innings i 'm not sure how likely it is he 's a top thirty five starting pitcher
2: well let me throw two things at you, and one is related okay. to that that status of him you know being viewed as a, a solid number three starter. I mean pitching beyond the number one and number two starters is just awful <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I mean not necessarily <laughs> awful but they're, they're you know, flawed is is a better word right because there's some very high upside guys. Uh, and then there's you know guys like Hendricks that I think are are more reliable, um, but yeah they they lack the upside. So it's you know by comparison there's there's much more risk there. So I think given what the alternatives are at that point, um, you know I I'm fine with Hendricks. I'm more than fine with Hendricks as a, as a number three guy. And the other thing is, okay, so you're saying you've you've got as most of us do, a bias towards high strikeout pitchers. Um. I, you know I've talked on the show I want this this show to be the home of pitchers that give you value but don't give you a lot of strikeouts that's that's the niche I'm carving for myself here uh, so, uh, so you I mean, really hated my bus list yeah a lot of it yeah but I think I was pretty upfront about that at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling I know who's next then because he doesn't strike anybody out uh probably yeah but um you know somebody I mean, but isn't there something we said that okay if you're looking for value, and so many people look for strikeouts, why not look for somebody who's got a, a pretty good track record with minimizing damage on, on balls in play?
1: You know, um, because one of our first arguments, I think, was Dallas Keuchel. Yep. And he, he has, for the most part, been able to do it. He's had some ups and
2: downs. Um, but at least Dallas Keuchel's has thrown a bunch of innings. All right. Well, you know what? I'm sorry, Keith. I'm going to have to ask you to hold that thought. Fortunately, you're staying for another segment. So um, we'll talk more about uh, pitchers who don't strike guys out, but we're going to do it right after this break. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melker, and joining me for a second big segment from CBSSports.com, Keith Cummings. So thanks, Keith, uh, for sticking around. Hey, anytime that I can uh, spend time with Al Melchior, I'm going to take advantage of it. Wow. Okay, well, uh, I will... Tuck that away because what? Want to have you back on the show? I really appreciate it. Uh, and it's good. It's great. It's great to always. Uh, I I miss these uh, these chats. So I'll try to make it more frequent. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about Kyle Hendricks. We were talking about pitchers that don't excel in strikeouts. I made an argument in terms of finding value, zigging while others zag. And and I think you knew where I was going to go. And, and in the interest of kind of speeding things up and getting to other things, uh, we'll lump them in with Michael Fulmer, who was also on your uh, your bust list. I understand Fulmer's got the additional health uh, risk, uh, you know, so he's a, a bit of a different category. But, you know, whether we're talking about Hendricks or Fulmer or out in somebody like Tanner Roark, um, you, you started to, you know, use the example of Dallas Keichel and then, uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I cut you off because that's, that's just what I do here. Um, <laughs> so what was, uh, if you could finish the thought, uh, what, what was the argument you were going to make about that, that classification of pitchers? When Dallas Keichel has a good year, you can
1: see him go 220 innings and then give you that great ERA and win a ton of games and show, we thought at times, great control. Tanner Roark, two years ago, 210 innings, also has a 198 inning season. That's my biggest problem with Michael Fulmer I went into last year kind of thinking Michael Fulmer could be one of those guys, and he still could. But I don't like a guy that's striking out seven per nine. It's also never had a professional season with over 175 innings yet, uh, counting the minor leagues, and m- maybe he will. It's profiles that guy gives you a mid to high three ERA. I'm just I'm not that interested.
2: Yeah, well, I, you know, if, unless the, unless yeah. there's the safe and the innings upside. Okay, and you know, again, I think we have to put in the caveat that it, you know it depends on value, and so you know, based on ADP and such. Uh, you know you're not liking the value but Fulmer's one of those guys that I will you know he's have to drop farther because of the injury risk but he, in both of his seasons um he's been one of the best pitchers in terms of limiting uh distance on fly balls and limiting hard contact so again it's you know, maybe a guy where you can find some value uh you know but is a little more contact friendly than than what's ideal but i get it i mean we'd all would rather have you know, guys who get strikeouts. And on that note, let's just uh, for real quickly talk about Danny Duffy because earlier in the show I talked about the report that he is finally pitching pain-free. He's on your bust list. Uh, Will he not be on the bust list uh, 2.0, given this news?
1: That's going to depend more on where people are drafting him, and and we may want to talk about Danny Duffy a little later in the show because I know you wanted to talk about guys that I came into this season feeling one way about. And then after looking at stuff, I changed my mind. And Danny Duffy is the best example of that because I had him—I I just kind of auto put him in top forty and just figured he'd be a top thirty-five, top thirty starting pitcher, and didn't really think about it again. And then the more that I looked at, like the history of Danny Duffy starting pitcher, the more I didn't feel great about that.
2: Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, we will definitely. Uh, I'll. Uh, put that up on the shelf and uh, pick it back up in a few minutes. But um, And he also had Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis on the, the bust list. Uh, I do want to move on to a, a more general discussion about the Royals, but um, is is Eric Hosmer going to be one this year? Is he going to re-sign, you think? Well, I mean, with the way things are
1: going right now, I don't know why the Royals wouldn't bring back Eric Hosmer, Mike Moustakis, and Lorenzo Cain, because baseball teams don't want to give these players any money. And so I'm assuming they're all going to be cheap. I mean my my thought right now is that there is a pretty decent chance that Eric Osmer is a royal. It was very sneaky of the Royals to get um,
2: Dave Cameron hired by the Padres to make sure the Padres didn't find <laughs> Eric Osmer. <laughs> oh man, I never I never considered that angle. Wow. It was well, it was is...
1: brilliant really, but, but both of those guys <laughs> I think they're fine players and they're good. Like in a Roto league, they're both good corner infield options, but they're also both coming off of career years. I don't think Mike Moustakis is a 40 Homer guy, unless the Yankees decide to give him a one-year deal. There's been some talk about that. Like Moustakis might just take a one-year deal. I don't understand why anyone would take a one-year deal this year because next year's class is so much stronger. But if Moustakis goes somewhere like New York, then I'd have to take him off this list. But in a normal ballpark, his batted ball profile doesn't look all that much different from his entire career. Mm-hmm. And his entire career has been pretty mediocre.
2: All right. Well, you know, so that's definitely a free agent that we got to watch carefully. Cause I agree. I think that the venue will matter a lot for him. Uh, well, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I'm sorry. Heath. No,
1: no, that's, that's fine. I, I was just agreeing with you. I, it totally depends on where he's go. His batted ball profile. If he goes somewhere where, with a, short, with a short porch and right, then, yeah, you got a shot.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to do rapid fire here with the Royals because I really want to get to that Danny Duffy discussion, and I also want to bring up Carlos Carrasco because I kind of gave him short shrift on Monday's show. But um, four players consider in, in particular that I'm interested in and, and interested in knowing how you value them. Whit Merrifield, his uh, value early on here is much higher than I would have guessed. Uh, are you buying in on that or are you a skeptic?
1: I think I'm mostly buying into Whit Merrifield. I, I have him ranked as my number six second baseman in Roto. Um, unlike Ian Kinsler, he's not going to have anyone behind him in the lineup that might prevent him from wanting to try to steal a base. And I I feel like a lot of people have slept on the fact that he stole more. I think he, was he tied for the lead in the American League and stole the bases last year with 34. Um, you look at his batted ball profile from what he did last year, and yeah, Like, it was a little surprising how good he was in fantasy. But just looking at the slash line, 288, 324, 460, there's nothing really all that surprising about that. He's going to run. He's fast. He's going to lead off to the Royals and get a ton of plate appearances. He should help you in in, at, at the very least average in stolen bases. And I think he may get enough plate appearances and get on base enough to score enough runs to help you there as well.
2: All right. Well, uh, I know I asked you a few weeks back, when would you be ready to talk Royals? And I like think you said in a couple of weeks, but the one thing you said was uh, you really liked Raul Mondesi. Uh, what sort of league would you want to have him in?
1: I would like to put him on my bench in a like a standard mixed CBS Roto League. Um, I'm not drafting him where I'm drafting the starters in the first 276, but he's, he's really close. Um, I I know the major league numbers are just awful, but I look at the minor league numbers and look at his prospect pedigree, and even 2016, at age 20, across three different levels, a 790 OPS with 24 steals in 52 games. That's really good for a 20-year-old. The next year in the minors in 2017, he goes 320, or 289, 320, 5,13 with 21 steals in 93 games. This is one of those situations where the Royals probably just rushed him. And if we hadn't seen him fail in 209 plate appearances in the majors, I believe he'd be a top 10 prospect.
2: All right. Well, uh, just real quick here, Raul Mondesi or um, Jorge Polanco?
1: It it really depends on what my roster construction is, I guess, because I – Polanco's floor, I feel like, is a lot higher, but I do think in a roto, league Mondesi may be able to do even more for you. So, I'll I'll hedge on that because I like <laughs> Polanco's floor, but I'm probably at that stage in the
2: draft just taking Mondesi. All right, is there any opening you think for Hunter Dozier to play regularly this year? Should we? Should there we should watch? be. Yeah.
1: Um, th- like, it's going to be up to him. Can he stay healthy and does does he hit again? But I would expect that if. I don't know that I would I would bet on him having a starting job at the beginning of the year, but I think by May or June, if he's hitting in AAA, he'll be up. All
2: right. Um, well, I want to make sure because I think we've only got uh, a little more than two minutes here, so uh, I don't know if we're going to get to Carrasco. I was hoping to talk Kelvin Herrera. We'll have to table that for another time. But I want to hear uh, this Danny Duffy uh, discovery that you made. So, uh, what what changed for you?
1: Well, I, you know, the first thing i did when i was just going through looking at players and and duffy in particular is i just kind of go back and you look at the history of danny duffy a 29 year old left-hander that has reached 179 innings once in his career has struck out more than eight per nine once in his career and he's not an elite ground ball pitcher he had good control for the last year and a half but he's had control problems before that he has really benefited as a fly ball pitcher from pitching on a Kansas City Royals team that has had an elite outfield defense. they had Gerard Dyson, they've had Alex Gordon, they've had Lorenzo Cain. Well, Gordon is the only one that's going to be in the outfield for him this year, and he's pitching on what's probably going to be a very terrible team. So I don't feel confident that Dusty throws a ton of innings. I don't think he really strikes anyone out. He doesn't have really any reason to make us think he's going to have an ERA below three and a half. I mean, he might be a, a high three-ERA guy, which doesn't hurt you, but I don't really think he wins any games. So it's just really hard for me to see how Danny Duffy helps you.
2: I suppose that's all, it all depends on whether or not you expect a, a strikeout rebound because he had such a, a nice breakout in that regard two years ago. Yes. But yeah. yeah, I, I think it's certainly, it's the safe play to, Project him for what you're you're saying, and I don't disagree with you on the ERA whatsoever. Um, yeah,
1: so I'd say I again I I don't want to dislike Andy Duffy, but that's where I've ended up.
2: All right, well, we got a minute left here, Heath. So I'm just gonna have to th- throw out a quick question here. I'm gonna make the argument in the next segment that Carlos Carrasco is gonna be my fifth ranked pitcher after the Big Four. Um, I like the the innings potential better than most of the other candidates. Uh, and I think that the the peripherals are you know right there with anybody else's, uh, maybe save for Strasbourg. So uh, is that nuts? I don't think it's nuts at all. I've got
1: Madison Bumgarner there just because I don't. I think people have dropped him way too much based on a dirt bike accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bumgarner is my number five, but I, I don't think it's far fetched at all. If Carlos Carrasco makes thirty three starts this year, I think he's going to
2: finish in the top five starting pitcher. He's elite. Yes. Thank you, Heath. What a great way to finish. So <laughs> thank you so much again, Heath, for joining me for not just one, but two segments. And uh, best of luck. And everybody, please check his uh, workout over at CBSports.com. All right. Well, uh, stick around. Be back one more time. back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And once again, I'd like to thank Heath Cummings from CBSSports.com for spending half the show with me here today. I uh, really miss talking fantasy baseball with Heath. Uh, Heath, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, and I will do my darndest to get him back on here again uh, sometime soon. But uh, let me finish up here where I tried to finish up on Monday's show uh, when I did uh, a couple of segments uh, under the theme of am i wrong to think this uh and one of the this is was am i wrong to make carlos carrasco my top rated starting pitcher outside of the big four of uh, Kershaw, Scherzer, Sale, and Kluber. And I gotta tell you, with with each day uh that since I, I first considered this, I, I feel better and better about it. I was also glad to have Heath uh, affirmed that a little bit, but you know he made the interesting point that uh, you know we we may all be sleeping on Madison Bumgarner. He's clearly one of the top candidates. I would say, uh, you know, Bumgarner, Carrasco, and Strasburg are really the three that I've considered. Uh, I'd say you know Jacob Degrom maybe a little bit behind those three, but Bumgarner, uh, you know, he's he's obviously had the the long history of being uh, an absolute workhorse. Uh, very good control, uh, strikeout rates that, uh, you know, the three seasons before, really four seasons before uh, last year with the, the injury, uh, as Heath mentioned, uh, you know, sort of a, a freakish uh, dirt bike injury, uh, you know, so it's hard to argue with that. But with Bumgarner, it does worry me, first of all, the context of pitching for the Giants, great ballpark, but not necessarily even with the improvements, great run support. Uh, but the fly ball rate has been on the increase even before last year. And he had a very high strand rate in, in 2016 that I think masked what could have been a, a notable spike in his ERA. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm a little worried about Mason bum Bumgarner this year. And is he going to be fully healthy? So to me, Carrasco's the safest choice that I think he's he's going to give you more innings, most likely than Steven Strasburg. He's more, you know, clear. I don't trust Luis Severino completely after the one great season. Noah Syndergaard with his health. Um, So just sort of by default, these are all guys that, you know, give you somewhere, you know, probably around 10 strikeouts per nine, uh, good control. But uh, I just think Carrasco is the safest of them and should get a lot of wins and uh, pitch a lot of innings. So there it is. There is my case for Carlos Carrasco as my fifth-ranked pitcher. Uh, And hopefully that'll, that'll work out. Maybe I can wait a little longer on him than, you know, Uh, Strasburg or uh, uh, I don't know maybe Bumgarner but uh, you know like uh, Heath pointed out I think he you know I've seen it uh, early on that Bumgarner uh, the trust in him is maybe not uh, as high right now but anyway I gotta wrap this up so I hope you've enjoyed the show I thank you very much for joining me and uh, I will be back here again with Laura Michaels on Friday 10 p.m. Eastern 7 p.m. Pacific So uh, hope to see you then. Meanwhile, stay tuned for Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Have a good one, everybody.